1: this is the turn on the jets podcast i don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up i am these players they want to defend metlife stadium for you guys yeah! right, here's your host joe Caparoso. what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the turn on the jets podcast i'm your host joe Caparoso, owner of turn on the today i'm going to go through 24 prospective free agents that the Jets could target on both offense and defense. This is uh, a follow-up to two articles I've published recently on turnonthejets.com, but kind of wanted to speak through uh, some of these guys before free agency really hits. The league year opens March 18th. I would expect you know news to really start picking up uh, to the back half of this week. We're also going to record another episode later this week. Uh, that should run. Uh, we're going to have our guest host who won uh, from our giveaway associated with Badlands, and we're going to do some more free agency chatter. Uh, speaking of Badlands, as a reminder, turn on the jets.podbean.com nine ninety nine gets you a subscription for the entire year. You get all ten episodes of our audio docu series hosted by me and Connor Rogers. A ton of great interviews sprinkled throughout there. The back part of this episode is going to be a snippet of our discussion with Connor Hughes, which will play well as a good teaser going into free agency as well. as a reminder, you don't just get the ten episodes for nine ninety nine Connor and myself are going to record other episodes going forward, grading the Jets out in free agency, previewing the NFL draft, grading out the NFL draft, getting you ready for mini camp, training camp, and the regular season, all that good stuff. So turn on the Jets.podbean.com, 9 dollars You're covered for the next 12 months. Check that out. On this podcast, please subscribe, rate, uh, review iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Uh, We'll have one to two episodes per week rolling, as always, here. Uh, This episode, again, will end with me and Connor's interview with Connor Hughes of The Athletic talking Jets and free agency. But for now, let's dive into 24 names that you should know or be familiar with as the Jets head into free agency. We've already talked about uh, their internal priorities a decent amount. Robbie Anderson, Brian Poole, Jordan Jenkins, Kelvin Beecham, as it stands right now, I would guess 75-25, Robbie Anderson's not back. I think the Jets are going to do whatever they can to keep Brian Poole and Jordan Jenkins. I would not bet on Kelvin Beecham being back. I do think, however, they will get Alex Lewis back, who they traded a draft pick for last year. Externally, let's start with offense, which is more important than defense. and needs much more work than the Jets' defense. Top available offensive lineman is Joe Thuney. Uh, New England Patriot guard, he's started 64 of his past 64 games. He is legitimately one of the best interior linemen in the NFL, right in his prime at 27 years old. He's probably looking at a $12 to $14 million per year contract. It is not expected that New England is going to find a way to bring him back. There will be a ton of competition for Thune. No doubt the Jets are going to be in the mix for him. The question is, can they land arguably the best available offensive free agent out there? would immediately fill a major need and be a huge, huge win for Joe Douglas. Uh, Other most popular name when it comes to offensive linemen likely to hit the market, right tackle Jack Conklin. There was already a rumor circulating that the Jets have basically agreed to a deal with him. That was later refuted. I'm assuming that is Conklin's team working to get more leverage and try to get as much money as possible. Considering he is a tackle, he is probably going to get north of $15 million per year. The Jets are unquestionably in a situation where they're going to have to overpay for some guys. Uh, It's just part of being a team that has not been good for a while and might not have the most popular coaching staff in the NFL. Uh, Conklin is going to be overpaid. He is a, a good, you know, he's a plug and play starter at tackle. He is not one of the best tackles in the NFL. That being said, he plays a premium position and he is good. He has been Pro Bowl good uh, a couple different times throughout his career and would be a major upgrade for the Jets, and he's the next guy up to get paid, so he's going to have a new market-setting deal that will be eclipsed next year uh, when tackles start getting paid again. I think the Jets have a better chance of getting Conklin than Thune. There's no reason they should not push to get both of them, but obviously that's going to be a lot of money and tough to land both those at once. Uh, If they get Conklin, I think he's a plug-and-play starter for them at right tackle, uh, allowing them to continue their focus probably at left tackle uh, with the 11th overall pick in the NFL draft. Moving over to uh, receiver, under the assumption that Robbie Anderson leaves, which I think is more likely to happen than not, Rashad Perryman has become a popular name. You know, Perryman's a former first-round pick who came on very strong for Tampa last year uh, when they had some injuries. Tampa... Obviously the most pass-happy offense in the NFL. He closed the season with three straight 100-yard games and had a three-touchdown game. Which really kind of you know inflated his numbers and have been an outlier to the rest of his career, which has been really disappointing. Uh, bouncing between the Ravens, the Browns, and then recently the Bucks, Perryman, you know, good deep speed, a guy that's going to get way, way, way less money than Robbie Anderson because he's been way, way, way less consistent and reliable. I think if the Jets lose Anderson, Perryman at least has the skill set and pedigree from a talent standpoint that he'll be worth a swing. Probably in the, I don't know, $7 million per range uh, per year, whereas Robbie's going to get uh, probably about thirteen, depending on how the market breaks. So I don't think Perriman is as good as Robbie. Uh, I do think he could fill some of the production gap that would be left behind from him. Uh, another offensive lineman, Graham Glasgow. Uh, interior lineman for the Lions. Uh, he's been their starting center for the past two years, but also has left guard experience. Uh, if and when the Jets don't land Thuney, he's a really nice plan B option. Someone who'd be an upgrade over Brian Winter. Someone who'd be an upgrade over Jonathan Harrison if the Jets want to go with him at center. Uh, not a massive name, but a guy that would be a really nice addition for this team. Give them some depth and versatility. On the interior of their offensive line and definitely a player that Jet fans should have that name circled and hope that Joe Douglas can name land a name like him or this next name we're going to talk through Connor McGovern somewhat similar profile to Glasgow uh, 26 years old he started at both guard and center uh, he's been the Broncos center. Uh, the past couple years, uh, or last year he started 16 games for them uh, at Center. He's probably you know an eight to nine million dollar per year guy somewhat similar to Glasgow uh, and would be an upgrade over Jonathan Harrison for the Jets at Center who they might want to slide to guard if they end up signing him or they could potentially even play McGovern or Glasgow at guard instead of Center if they want to stay with Harrison there. So two sort of tier B names that uh, the jets should be focusing on if they can't land Joe Thuney. Um, another name Andres Pete former first round pick uh, 26 year old guard who has struggled to stay healthy the past few years you know better than Brian Winters uh, not as good as an option as Glasgow or McGovern in my mind if they want to add an interior offensive lineman Uh, interesting to see how much he gets per year Uh, should probably still be in that you know seven to nine million dollar per year range because of his name he used to be a first round pick he's been part of a A good offense the past few years, so there's not a ton of offensive linemen out there, so I think he can uh, fetch a decent amount of money, and if the Jets strike out with some of the top names at free agency on the offensive line, could be a guy that they uh, sniff around on in free agency. Couple other wide receiver options. Rashad Higgins, 25 year old receiver, uh, who was really good during Baker Mayfield's rookie season, had 570 yards and four touchdowns, uh, was inconsistent last year, couldn't stay healthy. Again, will be a much cheaper option than Robbie Anderson uh, and is not as much of a pure deep threat he is, as he is, but has a little more uh, you know, versatility with his route tree and has shown an ability to be a good weapon for a young quarterback. Uh, Browns are going to try to bring him back, so we don't know if he's actually going to hit the open market or not, but a good uh, option to add more depth and flexibility to the receiver room if Robbie Anderson leaves. Another option at guard, Quentin Spain. Two years ago as a starter for the Titans, last year started 16 games for the Bills. Uh, Steady, okay guard, better than Brian Winters, arguably just as good, if not better than Alex Lewis, Uh, would be a good guy to add depth. Talent, competition to the interior offensive line uh, was part of sort of that big rush that Buffalo had last year where they added and draft. They signed and drafted a lot of different offensive linemen, and Spain was able to uh, carve out a starting role for himself and start all 16 games. Buffalo will try to bring him back, but if they can't, he is a good plan B if you can't get a Thuni or you even can't get a Glasgow. Uh, Another receiver that's being rumored to the Jets a decent amount is Emmanuel Sanders, going to be 33 years old this season and really faded down the stretch for the Niners. He has experience with Adam Gase, as we know from five years ago with Denver. Personally, I'm not crazy about going this route, uh, adding receivers at 33 years old. Uh, I think Sanders would be better than Demarius Thomas and what the Jets got from him last year. I just don't know how wise it is for them to... for them to invest in a 33-year-old receiver who has definitely showed signs of slowing down in recent years just because he has some familiarity uh, with Adam Gase in his offense. Uh, another name at receiver that's being rumored to the Jets because of their familiarity uh, with their leadership, Nelson Aguilar, uh, been an up-and-down, inconsistent receiver uh, for the Eagles, has a lot of experience playing in the slot where the Jets already have Jamison Crowder, and Chris Herndon will be back also working the middle of the field for them. So, a former first-round pick has had some nice seasons, uh, back-to-back over 700 yards and scored eight touchdowns in 2017. I just don't know if he fits in well uh, alongside Crowder, alongside Anua, if he comes back, and alongside Chris Herndon. You'd rather see the Jets spend more on an outside-the-numbers vertical threat to help replace Robbie Anderson, a receiver who does fit that skill set a little more but doesn't have the production of Algalore, uh, is Paul Richardson. Uh, A guy who was 27 years old, had a good season for the Seahawks a few years back in 2017, six touchdowns, 700 plus yards, uh, has not really stayed healthy or been productive with the Redskins over the past two years. He's only averaged 250 yards and two touchdowns per season. This would be sort of a low-cost dart throw uh, along the lines of a guy like Devin Funches as well, who missed off last season with an injury. I think if Robbie Anderson leaves, the Jets are going to want to take one or two low-to-mid-level swings at receiver and hope one of them hits uh, to help build out the receiver depth chart along with what they add in the NFL draft. But it's not really exciting. It's not an exciting group of receivers Uh, if Anderson is gone and Amari Cooper ends up staying with Dallas. There's just not a lot of big names out there uh, that are going to really turn your head. Learn more at marines.com. Switching over to the defense where I think the Jets will be a little less aggressive than they will when it comes to addressing offensive line and wide receiver. Uh, A lot of the top edge rushers are likely either going to get the franchise tag, are going to get brought back by their original teams. It does seem like there is a decent chance Dante Fowler will hit the open market, a name that's been floated to the Jets as a trade option for a while, uh, never really worked out. He's still only 25 years old, former top three pick in the NFL draft, was really good last year for the Rams with 11 and a half sacks. The question is, can he do that not playing with Aaron Donald and not playing with some of the other talent that the Rams had on defense? But unquestionably a guy who could get after the quarterback uh, is going to command a pretty big contract. So it's just a matter of how much are the Jets willing to invest on that second level of the defense. Uh, A lower cost option could be Marcus Golden uh, from the New York Giants. He's really only had two healthy seasons and both of them he's been over 10 sacks. So last year, uh, the 28 year old was over 10 sacks for the Giants. He did the same thing for the Cardinals in 2016. He did miss 17 games between 2018 and 2017. Could be a good value add for the Jets if they're looking to add more explosiveness off the edge and not break the bank like they need to for a guy like Fowler. Uh, Another edge option who is potentially going to get tagged but could be traded after being tagged is Matt Judon. A guy who's been really consistent and productive for the Ravens over the past few years. Nine and a half sacks last year. Also had 15 sacks over uh, 2017 and 2018. Did well with a bigger role after Z'Darrius Smith and Terrell Suggs left. Uh, And if he is tagged by the Ravens, curious if the Jets poke around, if they could get him for a middle-round pick or a combination of middle-round picks and then work on a more long-term deal with him. Uh, Another second-tier edge-rushing option could be Shaq Lawson, uh, in-division guy from the Buffalo Bills, six-and-a-half sacks for them last year, only 27 years old, good two-way player, Uh, kind of a comparable player to Jordan Jenkins if the Jets don't end up bringing him back. But even if they do, to add another guy uh, to work off him certainly wouldn't hurt, and you want as many options rushing the quarterback as you can get. Emmanuel Agba is another name. Uh, Five and a half sacks last year for the Chiefs. Prior to that, had had some productive years for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, 26-year-old, good, versatile, second-level defender. Uh, I expect the Jets to be poking around options like him and Lawson uh, to add more flexibility to go with Jordan Jenkins probably being back and Terrell Basham, who had a pretty decent season for them last year. Another name that would be more of a one-year flyer, uh, Vinny Curry, 31 years old, uh, five sacks for the Eagles last year. Really... Um, Cheap uh, situational pass rush option, not someone the Jets are going to break the bank for, Uh, but again, gives you a little more flexibility off the edge, gives Greg Williams another name to work with and a guy who has had some production before and is not going to break the bank the way that a Fowler or some of the other names that are out there would. Um, Looking at some of the cornerback options, James Bradbury and Byron Jones are the top two names at the market. These are guys who are probably going to get $13 to $15 million per year. Uh, Can make a case that Bradbury, who's a little younger uh, and has really nice size, could actually be better value than Jones, who has a bigger name uh, that comes with playing for Dallas and uh, just a bigger profile. I don't know if the Jets are going to go crazy spending a corner after what happened with Jermaine Johnson, but both Bradbury and Jones would be immediate plug-and-play major upgrades on the outside for them. I think the Jets want someone to pair with Blassant Austin uh, and then keep Brian Poole in the slot. Uh, as their group of corners next year, while keeping Arthur Mollett more for depth. Uh, Trey Waynes would be a cheaper name than Bradbury or Byron Jones, another name that's kind of commonly been floated with the Jets as both a trade and free agency target. Uh, Former first-round pick has been okay for the Vikings, not great. Uh, Would, again, be a plug-and-play starter, an upgrade over Arthur Mollett, uh, give them more depth if Blasson Austin can't stay healthy next year, Uh, and, again, will not be anywhere near as expensive as Jones or Bradbury. Uh, Another name like that that will probably be more of a one-year flyer is Ronald Darby, who is only 26 years old. feels like he's been around forever. Uh, He's missed 20 games over the past three years. That's really been the problem. It's not a talent issue with him. Definitely someone Joe Douglas should be familiar with from his time with the Eagles uh, and could be a one-year flyer uh, while the Jets spend more time this offseason focusing on offense uh, before long-term investing more resources into their defense. Uh, Another former Eagle could be an option is Jalen Mills, a guy who has experience playing inside and outside if the Jets do end up not being able to bring pullback, although they really should focus on getting that done, would be a lower-cost option, probably another short-term deal. Uh, Similar to Darby, who struggled to stay healthy, Uh, has pretty good size overall, and again, has that experience of playing outside the numbers and in the slot. Another guy who has that uh, is Mackenzie Alexander, uh, former Viking, 26 years old. Again, pretty uh, low-cost option compared to Jones or Bradbury. And if the Jets are just looking for more depth and starting experience, guys like Alexander, guys like Jalen Mills, guys like Ronald Darby could be options, along with other veterans like Darkees Denard or Bradley Roby. I think the Jets are going to add a body or two at corner because they're pretty thin right now. uh, And then look to take a couple day two or day three swings in the NFL draft. I don't Hope. I don't think that's going to be an option for them at 11, uh, but we'll see how the board breaks. So there you have it. That's about 24, 25 different names. You can see the Jets snooping around and in free agency. I expect their primary focus to be offensive line, wide receiver, and then to a lesser extent, edge rusher and cornerback um they still will be looking for a couple other things we still got to see how they handle backup quarterback if they look for more depth at running back we don't know what they're going to do with Ty Montgomery and Bilal Powell should be set at tight end with Herndon Griffin Daniel Brown and Wesco all coming back uh defensive line they should be okay at uh there's a position not to add at it's that right now uh inside linebacker um if they're going to cut Avery Williamson uh, to save money and put that towards offense, and they would need to prioritize bringing back Neville Hewitt or James Burgess, or they could just hang on to Williamson. Uh, If they do that, I don't think inside linebacker is going to be a focus area in free agency. And at safety, I don't expect any major moves. As we know, Jamal Adams and Marcus May will be back. All right, we're now going to jump into our interview from Badlands with Connor Hughes discussing the New York Jets in free agency. If you want to hear the full interview and all of our episodes that have already been recorded and will be recorded going forward, 999 at turnonthejets.podbean.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back later this week with another episode.
2: When the Jets signed Le'Veon Bell, he only got an $8 million signing bonus, which means that if they were to trade him, that's all the money that they're on the hook for For trading him. So a new team would basically have to pick up the vast bulk of that deal. And it's just not something that a team's going to be willing to do. So they're going to want that base salary paid for by someone else or a large portion of that base salary paid by somebody else. From what I've heard, Joe Douglas is not willing to pay Le'Veon Bell to play for someone else. Right. So if he's going to trade him, that's fine. He's not willing to pay that base salary. Like he's not willing to pay. The all the whole portion of that base salary for him to go play for somebody else. So that would mean that Le'Veon Bell would have to take a pay cut after holding out an entire year. It is highly unlikely that Le'Veon Bell takes a pay cut. So from talking to people over there at the Jets, the expectation is that Bell is going to be back in 2020 unless something dramatically changes, uh, and then it's just a matter of how the Jets are going to use him. But while Bell might want to go to a new team, and and the Jets might want to kind of transition to more of a running back by committee. That contract, at least for this year, it's just not something that they can they can get out of unless one of these two sides' budgets in terms of Joe Douglas paying that base salary for him to play for somebody else, or Le'Veon Bell agreeing to take a pay cut. And I don't see either of those two things happening.
0: Connor, speaking of giant contracts, obviously CJ Mosley comes to mind. A really big offseason signing from last year, kind of a lost season for him. We saw one brilliant half against Buffalo, and then the rest of his season was lost, but I have to ask you, I know there's been you know, tons of talk that uh, Le'Veon Bell was not an Adam Gase signing. It doesn't follow his philosophy or Joe Douglas's in terms of paying running backs. But from everything that thing I've heard, C.J. Mosley was a high priority from this coaching staff. What kind of impact are, are they expecting from him next year, and is he going to be ready to go?
2: Well, you're right on the money with that. I mean, this was, when, when that, this was a coaching staff signing. I mean, when the Jets were evaluating the free agent class, and when you evaluate free agency in general, it's very rare that a player you would clarify or classify as an A player, it's very rare that they hit free agency. Usually you have someone that's a good player, has, has a decorated career, someone like Landon Collins, you know, but he's kind of still a B player. The top end of B, but he's still a B player. You're like, well, can he cover? You know what I mean? Like he's a dominant player at the line of skirmish and get after an emotional leader, but can he cover? There's always that little asterisk of, you know, well, he can't do this. Well, he can't do that. Mosley was a guy that the Jets, both management with Mike McKagan and coaching staff, viewed as an A player, as a player that they could not believe hit free agency. And when they saw him on free agency, they kept saying themselves, how the hell did the Ravens let him go? And so that's why they went after heavy. So, no, this this was you. You hit the nail on the head. This was a coaching staff signing. This was somebody that everyone in the building, McKagan, Gase, Heimerdinger, everyone, they all wanted DJ Mosley. And kind of like you said, man, when he gets back that's going to be a massive addition. Cause you said you saw the brilliance. I mean, you saw what this guy's capable of in that bills game, not only in terms of what he physically does himself, but just go watch like the, the all 22 of before the snap, just, just highlight and just look at CJ Mosley in that bills game, how he's running around, redirecting everyone doing that. I mean, he, he's basically a pseudo defensive coordinator on the field. And at times it looks like he knows more than the defensive coordinator. So to get him back on this defense, I mean, you're getting an all-pro player and just throwing him out there. I mean, there's a massive difference. I know Neville Hewitt had had you know spurts where he looked good, and Cashman had spurts where he looked good, and there were times with his team, you know, like, oh, you know what, they might have something in this guy. Still, none of those guys, none of them are C.J. Mosley, and for them to get him back on this defense, it's going to be a huge boost, especially if he can go and play 16 games, which, I mean, he's shown he can do throughout the Ravens, which is why the Jets think this injury was a fluke.
1: The best current player on the Jets roster, at least coming off this year, is Jamal Adams. Uh, Eddie Jackson just got paid a four-year, I think it was $55 million contract, something around there. Adams is not through his rookie contract yet, but rumblings are starting about... When are the Jets going to extend him, if they are going to expend him? We, of course, know there were rumors that they were listening to trade offers and chopped him a little bit at the trade deadline. We had the fun sort of Twitter back and forth with Adams and and the Jets front office to an extent. How do you see this contract situation playing out with him over the next couple of years? And could it be something this year heading into camp where it potentially becomes an issue if they don't pay him and just want him to keep playing on his rookie deal?
2: Yeah, I think it's, well, it's tough because sometimes when you want a player to keep playing in his rookie deal, it's because it's you want to evaluate him a little bit more and you want to see, is he really worth it? Or you just have no intention of bringing him back, kind of like the uh, the Chargers there with Melvin Gordon. But I think Adams is that weird guy that he's as good as he was supposed to be. And and in some aspects, he's better than what he was supposed to be. And then he's a guy that is very much deserving of that new contract. Now, whether it gets it or not, that's, that's a tough question, man. And I can't I can't pinpoint it down yet because I don't necessarily know if the Jets want to divulge that much money to a safety. I don't know if they're actually, I don't Here's the thing. I don't think that they're going to explore trading him as much as they possibly would have during the NFL's deadline when all that crap went down, where it was, you know, uh, Adam's not talking to the GM or head coach. And I mean, that just seems so headed for a divorce that, there was no repairing the relationship. Well, they say that winning cures everything. That's kind of what happened. The Jets won on this win streak, albeit against pretty poor teams. They finished seven and nine. Suddenly it's like, you know what? A couple different games go their way. The offense gets improved in the offensive line gets improved in the offseason. Maybe you got a chance to make a run and suddenly Adams is happy and he's talking about the future again and all this stuff. So, I mean, winning does cure everything. I, 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 I find it hard now to see the Jets moving Adams in the offseason because when you're seven and nine, you're a little bit closer to the playoffs than if the Jets had finished this year, two and 14, three and 13. I know they played a week schedule, but still, I mean, you got to beat the teams that are in front of you and in the years past, the Jets didn't do that. So the fact that they did this year was kind of a step in the right direction. You can foresee a situation here where they improve that offensive line they get a couple more playmakers for Sam, and maybe they can make a little bit of run unless Adam Gase really is as bad as some people believe that he is. So I, with Adams, it's, it's not a clear cut answer. And I think that what, will say a lot is if Adams decides to hold out, if he decides to not show up to OTA's mini camp, if he decides to skip a portion of training camp that could technically force the Jets hand. Now Adams hasn't given any indication that that's the route that he's going to take, that he's going to try to hold out, that he's going to stay away from the team. There's been no clear cut indication of him doing that yet, but if he does, I think it could end up uh, forcing the Jets hand more so than some other teams because of the Jets. Don't have Jamal Adams on that defense, then I, I know they they won a game without him this year. But, but look at that defense. I mean, it's 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 rough. Like it, it's it it's going to be rough without Jamal Adams out there. I mean, that's that's a fact.
0: Yeah, he's a guy you'd like to have. And I think when you look on the other side of the ball, you know, a lot of people are talking about how they need to retool this offensive line. They need to rebuild this offensive line. And I I completely agree. But another thing is. It's really hard to replace five spots in one offseason, Connor. And I think one of the storylines that's going extremely under the radar right now is Kelvin Beachum because he's a free agent. And I know people you know, are frustrated that he's not the perfect left tackle, but I think he's quietly been a solid player. And once again, they can't replace every single spot in one offseason. What are the odds you think he's back? And do you think this staff values him? And honestly, if they do move on, how do they even find enough capable starting offensive linemen for this group in front of Sam?
2: Yeah, you got a couple good. I mean, you don't have in free agency this year. I don't think you have that any left tackle in free agency this year that's gonna be better short term than what Kelvin Beecham would. Like I'm I'm on board with you there. And I think whether or not Beacham returns to the Jets this year very much goes into what happens there at at number eleven. I mean, I it, from from all intents and purposes, you kind of have like uh, Connor, you're going to know more about this than I would. I mean, you're the, you're the draft guy, but you kind of have those top three tackles that everyone's talking about with Worfs and Wills and Thomas. Like those are like the top three guys. Now, Beckton's kind of, from what I hear, working himself into, you know what, maybe it's a big four, not a big three. But if all three of those guys are gone and something happens in the draft where the fourth guy falls off, I mean, you kind of have three guys definitively that are the top tackles. You have Beckton who's kind of working himself in there, but then there's a gap before you get to guys like Austin Jackson and, and some of those other guys. So when you have that gap, the jets are going to be sitting there at 11, where if all three of the top tackles are gone, you know, like I know uh, Dane Brugler does the, the draft stuff for the athletic. He's got uh, the top three guys going to the giant, the top three tackles going to the giants, Cardinals, and Browns, all three teams that are looking to fix up their offensive line. So if that happens, suddenly the jets are sitting there at 11 saying, okay, do we go with Beckton who well, you got to see who what their grade is on them or do you potentially look at a receiver where you could have Judy's probably there in that situation. Lamb's probably there in that situation because you still got young, who's going to be going in the top two. You're going to have the quarterback run that's going to be going. And, and I, again, you can touch more on this, but from what I was reading, Herbert looked pretty good there at the senior bowl. So he probably helped his draft stock a little bit there with that performance. So the, one of those top tier receivers, top one, two receivers is going to be there at 11 where the jets would be going for number four. And that situation I think the Jets go receiver. And if that's the case, I think that leads to Kelvin Beach returning. And, you know, maybe the Jets trade back up into the first round using one of those thirds to get a a late first round pick to take Jackson. Maybe they wait for somebody in the second round, something like that. I mean, they're going to draft offensive linemen this year. It just might not be at 11. But if they miss on one of those top three potentially top four tackles in the first round. I think that then leads you to bringing back Kelvin Beach on a one-year team friendly deal to kind of be like your stopgap starter until the guy you draft in the second, late in the first round, second round, something like that is ready to take over as Darnold's blindside protector. But, you know, the rest of the offensive line, you're right. I mean, they got to find a center. It's kind of rare that top tier centers get through in free agency, right? I mean, they got to find a couple guards Now there should be good ones. This year, with with the the kid from the Patriots who's going to be a free agent, I think that's someone the Jets will definitely target because New England's not going to be able to re sign him. It doesn't look like that he's someone who started every game, kind of an ascending player, fits that Joe Douglas mold. Sheriff's the guy who obviously he's the the Pro Bowl player who everyone knows about, but he's also had some injury history and is going to want the massive deal, you know, the Zach Martin like deal. I wouldn't put it past the Jets to sign both those guys and say, cool, left guard, right guard, we're set now in the interior. Now we just need to find a center. But, you know, center left tackle that's where you're worried about now the one position that i don't think the jets are gonna are gonna look to replace is chuma um i know he had his struggles at, at right tackle this year but the coaching staff really likes him i mean they 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 were involved in the drafting of him mccagnon wasn't the only one this wasn't you know something where mccagnon went rambo and, and drafted chuma when no one else wanted him the guy has a lot of talent they like that he has a lot of talent there's a lot of schematic or technical issues that they need to clean up for starters i mean the kids, hand, I mean, his hands are high every single pass blocking snap. It's absurd. I mean, I don't know how he's not called for hands to the face every play. I mean, his hands are constantly above where they're supposed to be. So they need to figure out a way to get them lower. But when you clean up those technical things, they believe that Chuma is a, a starting offensive tackle in the NFL for the foreseeable future. They believe he's going to be a starting off with a tackle. So I think he's going to return on the right side. And then you just have to, I mean, look, that's really not solidifying too much when you still got to replace four positions, but uh, that that tackle spot's gonna be an interesting one to watch develop, because again, if they get the guy in the first round uh, at at number eleven, I don't really see Beecham coming back. If they don't and they gotta wait, then I see Beecham coming back and returning. But you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I think he was better than a lot of people expected. He played a lot of the year on on a bum ankle and then two bum ankles. So uh, he's someone who's a veteran a guy, people look up to, and, and when healthy, he can play some some decent football.